0: One of the greatest gifts God gave us is the power of choice. We have the power to choose our words, thoughts, and attitudes. This message is the fifth in the series, From Me to We. The message is entitled, Making Marriage Work, Part 4. Here is Pastor DeLo Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets, if you will, as we turn our attention to God's Word. This weekend, we're continuing to engage in a series called From Me to We, and I want to talk to us uh, this weekend about continuing to talk about making your marriage work. We're talking about marriage relationships. Now, let me say this before we get into today's message. Although I'm talking about marriage relationships, you must understand that these principles that I'm giving to you uh, relate to every relationship in life. Whether you're married or single, it relates to those realms of life, your business relationships, your friendships. All of these are principles from God's Word that will make the relationships of your life better better. As we started talking about last weekend, the most important thing to realize when it comes to relationships is that actually to have a good relationship with another person, you've got to pay attention to yourself. There's something that has to happen in you for you to be effective with the people around you. And the way that I gave it to you last week is to make your marriage work, you've got to focus on yourself. It's really all about you. It starts with you because if you're not healthy and you're not strong and you're not the person that you need to be, you're not going to be able to bring into the relationship those things that are necessary to make it work. And so we're looking at some of those things that will allow you to be a better person yourself, to focus on you. And we talked last weekend about stopping the blame game, that we're not to blame other people for issues in our relationships. We take that responsibility. I'll come back to more of that today. We have to stop playing God with other people. We can't control their lives and God and try to make them who we want them to be. We, had, we learned also about the importance of adjusting expectations in our life, that we we're responsible for our own expectations. And today I'm going to share with you four more principles that will help you to learn how to focus on yourself, how to be the best person that you can be in the relationships of your life. And the first thing out of the four that we'll look at today as we dive right in is this principle. Read it together with me. To be the person you need to be in a relationship, you have to take personal Responsibility for your words, your thoughts, your attitudes, and your actions. Four areas, words, thoughts, attitudes, and action. And you are responsible for each of these four areas of life. And if you don't realize that you have a responsibility in these areas, you'll never be able to build the relationships that you desire. One of the greatest gifts that God has given each one of us is the gift of a free will or the gift of making choices, choosing with life. We have a will. We get to make our mind up about what we will say, what we will think, what our attitudes are going to be, and what actions we will take. No one forces you to say things. No one forces you in terms of your thoughts. No one forces you to have certain attitudes or take certain actions. These are choices that you and I make with our own lives. And with these choices come consequences. In fact, in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, let me read you this passage of Scripture as the Apostle Paul lays this out for us. Uh, Inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. A man will always reap just the kind of crop he sows. If he sows to please his own wrong desires, he will be planting seeds of evil, and he will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. But if he plants the good things of the Spirit, he will reap the everlasting life that the Holy Spirit gives, and let us not get tired of doing what is right or planting good seed, for after a while we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Here we're given a very important principle in Scripture. It is the principle of sowing and what comes after sowing? Reaping. Exactly right. And so as we Expend our energy in terms of our words, our thoughts, our attitudes, and our action. You have to think of every word that you speak as a seed that you're sowing, every thought that you think as a seed that's being sown, every attitude is a seed, every action is a seed, and with it will come the reaping of harvest. Bad words, bad harvest, bad thoughts, bad harvest, bad attitudes, bad harvest, bad action, bad harvest. And so to adjust the harvest of your life or what you reap, you adjust what you sow. If you want to get apples, you have to plant apple seeds. If you want grapes, you have to plant grape seeds. You can't plant one seed and expect to get something different. This is what Scripture is teaching us. And so we have this responsibility. Let me take you on a journey uh, through several other passages that emphasize our responsibility in these four categories. Psalm 19 verse number 14. The psalmist prays this prayer. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts, notice that, the thoughts Uh, from my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my defender. He's praying that God would help him with his words and with his thoughts. Proverbs 15 verse 4 says, gentle words cause life and health. Griping brings discouragement. Again, there's the sowing and reaping of our words and the result that happens in relationships. Proverbs 4 23. I love this one. Be careful what you think because your thoughts do what? Run your life. And so your thoughts are the software of your soul. They run your life. Ephesians four twenty nine. Do not let any unwholesome talk or words come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And then Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what does it say to do? Think about such things. Let that be the focal point of your thinking. So you and I have the power to choose these areas of life. You and I make choices in our relationships, what we will speak, how we'll think about them, the attitudes we'll bring into our our relationships, and the actions that we will take. Whose responsibility is it? It is Now, here's the problem with this. The problem with this is very simple. Many times in these four categories, this is what happens. All of us mess up. Amen? Have you ever said something you wish you didn't say? Come on, tell the truth right now, right? Have you ever thought something in a relationship that you knew was not healthy for that relationship? Has there ever been an attitude you brought or an action you took in a relationship that you just messed up and you realize, I messed up. I didn't do what I needed to do. And so the good thing about the Bible is that it not only tells you what you ought to do, but it also tells you what to do when you mess up. Aren't you glad that God is able to redeem your mess ups? Okay. He's able to give you a fresh start, but you have to follow His pattern. And when you mess up, or I mess up in these, either of these categories, the first place we have to deal with it is with God. We have to go to God and own up to God that we've made a mistake, that we have messed up. Now, how do we do that? The psalmist David makes this clear in Psalm chapter 51, the first four verses. Listen to his prayer. He's messed up big time. He's committed adultery with Bathsheba in his thoughts and words and actions. There's been this horrible moment in his life, and so he's owning up to this and he's going to God with his mess up. Listen to what he prays Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you, and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. David praised this prayer, asking God to forgive him for his mess up, asking God to cleanse him and wash him. And of course, if you study the life of David, you realize that God did forgive him. He gave him a fresh start, a fresh beginning, the opportunity to experience his grace in his life. Now, when we mess up, not only do we need to deal with it with God, but when it comes to relationships, we also have to deal with it with other people. Because if I mess up in my marriage, if I say something to my wife that I shouldn't say or in a way that I shouldn't say it, or if my attitude toward her is wrong, or if I have a bad action toward her in some way, I not only have to deal with it with God, how many do I have to deal with it with her, right? Right? It's not just with God, but now I've got to deal with, with her as well. And so I've got to learn how to handle my mess-ups with God, but also how to, how to handle my mess-ups with other people. And the way you handle a mess-up with God is by confessing your sins to Him. The way you hand up, ha- handle a mess-up with another person is by doing this, by an apology. Everybody say that word. Sometimes the greatest thing that will ever happen in a relationship is to learn how to apologize, to say something like this, I am sorry I was wrong. Most of us have a hard time saying those words. We like to say something like this, I'm sorry you were wrong, okay? (laughs) I'm sorry you messed up, okay? And so we have this tendency to always, again, put the responsibility on someone else. But I will tell you this, if you're going to have good relationships, you better learn how to give good, what? Apologies, right? And here's the problem. Most of us never take any classes in how to give a good apology. And so most of the time, our apologies stink. They're very ineffective because we don't know how to apologize very well. So I'm going to take you on a quick Quick class. You ready for a quick class in Apologies 101? Are you ready? Okay. I'm going to teach you today the, the eight things that are vital in giving a good apology. You better listen closely because you need to learn how to do this. We all do, right? So let's take a walk on this journey. The first thing about a good apology is it expresses genuine Sorrow. what? Sorrow and what? Regret. The key word here is this. You don't give an apology unless you are sincere. A lot of times people will apologize in such an insincere manner that the other person feels like they don't even really mean this at all. And so if you're going to apologize, make sure it's genuine, that you realize what you've done, that you have a sense of sorrow and regret about it, it starts. That's an attitude inside of you that needs to be expressed. The second thing that relates to a good apology is it is specific. Well if I did anything wrong, forgive me. I mean that's not very specific, right? If I did anything wrong. My wife doesn't doesn't really appreciate apologies like that. If I'm going to apologize to my wife, let's say for example, I'll give you an illustration, let's say that I speak to her in a harsh manner. And I say something, and I know this is not the best way to say this to her. And I realize, oh, I'm sorry I did that. I go to her and I say something. Honey, I want you to know that I am sorry for the way I spoke to you a few moments ago. It was harsh. It was not the way that I should have spoken those words to you. And I'm asking you to forgive me for the harsh words that I spoke. And you know that that's very different than if I did anything wrong. No, it's very, very specific. And the reason that a lot of times our relationships are not mended is because we're not willing to be specific about what we've done. We acknowledge our, in specificity what we've done. Next thing is, read together, it communicates and awareness of the negative, what? Impact of the wrong actions. So in other words, if I'm going to apologize to a person, I need to have a sense of what it, what, what it, how it affected that person. Use the illustration again. Honey, I'm sorry that I spoke such harsh words to you. I really am sorry. I know that it hurt you. When I say I know that it hurt you, what did I I just do? You can talk back. It's okay. (laughs) I communicated an awareness of the negative what? What? Impact of my action upon her. I, real, I got into her shoes, and I realized that what I said had an impact upon her. Now, you know, that makes the apology a lot more effective. Let's go to the next one. It is void of ifs and buts. Well, I wouldn't have said that if you'd not said what you said. Or I would have not said that but. You know, the ifs and the buts can mess up a lot of apologies, Okay. And so what you want to do is you want to get rid of the is and get rid of the buts. By the way, that's with one T just to make sure you understand. Okay, okay. Get rid of those from your apologies. You don't want to be using those words because as soon as you use them, what happens is you're actually draining the power out of the apology. Let's go to the next one. Here we go. It provides context and explanation without excuses. Sometimes it's important to provide a little bit of context when you're giving an apology. Honey, I'm sorry that I spoke those words to you, and I I know it was harsh the way I said them, and I'm really, am sorry, I know it hurt you. And I just want you to know what was going on. I, I really had a tough morning this morning. I'm not excusing what I said to you at all. I just want you to have the context of what was going on. So I bring her into my world so she can understand without any excuses. I'm not saying, oh, the reason I did this and I was valid in doing this because I had a bad morning. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I want you to understand the context. Now, not, sometimes you don't need a context. You were just being mean, okay? But sometimes the context really helps to provide an understanding, but make sure that you're not doing it with a sense of providing some level of an excuse. And then make sure it's presented how? Humbly, we basically already talked about that one. The next one, it seeks what? A good apology always seeks reconciliation and repair. Here's a little hint for you. If you give an apology to someone and it makes the relationship worse, you probably did not do a very good job giving the apology, okay? So a good apology has a tendency to bring the relationship together. Now, it's not going to work with everybody. Some people are not going to be happy no matter what you do. You can apologize a million times and do it the right way, but they're going to just be obstinate. But generally speaking, a good apology begins to bring about healing. As soon as I say to my wife, honey, I am so sorry about the way that I spoke to you. I realize it was a harsh way to say it. I know it hurt your feelings. I had some things going on this morning. That's not an excuse. I should never have done that. Would you please forgive me? What did that do to the relationship? It allowed me now to connect once again. It brought us back together. It didn't add distance. It brought us closer together with one another. So it should seek reconciliation and repair. And then the last one here, what does it say? It doesn't demand demand what? Forgiveness, it only... Request it, okay? You can never make somebody forgive you. Nor can you demand forgiveness from someone else. I'll tell you why. Because what, is, what word is at the center of forgiveness? What is that word? Can you see that word right there? Anytime you experience forgiveness, it is always a gift. Right? When God forgives you, he doesn't forgive you because you deserve to be forgiven. He doesn't forgive you because you demand to be forgiven. Every time God forgives you, it's a gift from God. You ought to raise your hands and thank God. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness to me and your forgiveness. It's just a gift that you've given to me. And any time another person forgives you, that's a gift too, Right? So if I hurt your feelings and I ask you to forgive me and you forgive me, it's not something I deserve or I can demand. It's something you gave to me freely. It is a gift that I can appreciate so you can never demand. I can't say to my wife, honey, I'm sorry. I spoke to you harshly. Please forgive me. And you better forgive me right now, okay? No, Because you know what the Bible says, you've got to forgive me. No, you don't do that, okay? You can't demand that. It's a gift of grace that is given from another person. So important to realize. So the first thing I want us to realize though, when you talk about uh, focusing on yourself is to take responsibility for your words, for your thoughts for your attitudes, and for your actions. When you mess up, what do you do? You go to God and make it right with Him, and then you also learn how to apologize well to the people in your life, to learn how to effectively say, I am sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Let's practice that together. I am sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Turn to that person beside you and say those words to them right now. I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me, okay? You say, well, I don't know what I'm asking forgiveness for. I promise you, something will come up. Okay, something will come up that will be exactly what you needed for that moment, all right? The next one, you ready for the next major thing today? Here we go. You've got to replace, focusing on you, you've got to replace reactions with responses. For your relationships to go well, you've got to change these things, reactions and change them out for responses. What is a reaction? A reaction is an emotional moment that you don't think about. Your emotions take over. In the physical realm, if my hand is on this platform and and it gets hit with a hammer, what happens? I'm gonna pull back, right? I'm gonna have a reaction to the pain that I experience. Well, the same is true in relationships when things happen in relationships because of our past experiences, because of the pain that we've had from other situations, because of uh, the history between us and that person, prejudices that we have inside of us. When something happens, we have the tendency to react in that moment without really thinking. And what that leads to, this emotional reaction leads to the Introduction of drama into the relationship. Okay, and so I get I react, and when I react, as soon as I react to my wife, what does she have a tendency to do back with me? To react back to me, and so when she reacts back to me, I gotta up at another level. And so I up it up. I up my reaction to another, and she's upping her reaction. And before long, we've got a Broadway play going on in our house. Okay, <laughs> we got all kind of drama happening. Right? Are you with me here? You're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? Because all this emotion happens out of react. Nobody's thinking. We're just reacting, right? Okay? So the difference between a reaction and a response is a reaction is just emotional drama that happens, but a response is you have to consider what you're going to do. You have to think about it before you do it, okay? That's the difference. So time out before I say this back to them. I'm going to step back for a moment. I'm going to think about what I'm going to say before I say it. I'm going to think about what I'm going to do before I do it. Responses are very different from reactions. Let me take you to a verse of Scripture that shows us the difference between reactions and responses. It's in Romans chapter 12. Uh, we'll read uh, verses 17 through 21 from the New Living Translation. I going to invite you to read it with me, and as we read it together, I'm going to draw out some some distinctions here that you'll see. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. Never pay back evil with more evil. That's reaction, right? Okay. Never pay back more evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. That's a response. Do all that you can, all that you can, to live in peace with everyone. That's a response. Dear friends, never take revenge. Revenge is a reaction, okay? Leave that to the righteous anger of God. So leave that as a response. Are you with me here? Are you with me here? Okay, all right, let's go further. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, what do you do? Now, that is a response because if your enemies are hungry, your reaction would be, Make them hungrier, right? If your enemies are thirsty, do what? Give them something to drink. And so you're seeing here, instead of reacting, choose to respond to the situation appropriately. And then it goes on to say, in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Don't let evil, read with me, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That is, choose your responses. And so what I want to do is I want to teach you over the next few moments how to choose your responses, okay? A moment ago, I taught you how to apologize. Now I'm going to teach you how to choose your responses. And here's here's the word picture that I want you to get today to take home with you. That when you're about to react to something, instead of reacting, you say, I'm going to respond instead, so here's what I need to do when I'm about to react. I need to breathe. Everybody say breathe. breathe. Now, everybody do it together. <sighs> Hope you brushed your teeth this morning is all I can say. <laughs> so let's try it again. <sighs> okay, I'm about to react, but I'm going to... Breathe, okay. I'm going to breathe for a moment, okay, because I need to stop for a little bit here. I need to consider what's about to happen here in the relationships. I'm going to give you an acronym based upon BREATHE that will tell you exactly what to do, and you can do this in about 10 to 15 seconds, okay, about 15 seconds at the most. You can walk through these things, and you can breathe. How I many you know that when it's in a relationship, it's worth about 10 to 15 seconds before you do or say something you shouldn't do or say, right? Amen, Okay. So how can I take about 10 seconds here, 15 seconds before I react so that I will respond? So I'm going to give you the acronym Breathe, and with each of these points, I'll help you to know what to do. To breathe, you have to first of all become more self-aware, okay? What am I feeling right now before I react? What's going on inside of me? Let me stop for a minute. Let me think what's happening to me. Okay, right now, I really feel like yelling at her, okay? Because I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm mad. You begin to identify what's going on inside of yourself. So you stop for a moment and you think about what's going on with me before you blast it out. You become aware of what's happening inside of you. That's called breathing. Okay. The next one is you've got to recognize reactive what patterns. This is important. Reactive patterns in your relationships. What does that mean? Okay. Timeout. Okay. Before we get into this again, have we been down this pathway before? You know, in many marriages, people are still arguing about the same thing they argued about 10 years ago. And when something comes up, they just fall right back into that pattern again. They're back into that same argument they've had a million times and it's never been resolved in the past and we always go through this, this dance back and forth. You say this and I say that and then you say this and I say that then you say this and I say that and then we, have, we, we go to our different corners for two or three days and we're okay again, okay? There are patterns and so you have to stop from and say, what can we do to break? If there's a pattern here, what can we do to break the pattern? So you have to identify what's going on in me and then is there any pattern here that I need to be aware of so I don't just fall into the pattern because that's what reaction is. You just, you just fall into the pattern, okay? Next one here, the E, you have to enter the world of others. Let me stop here. Let me think. One, I wonder what he or she is feeling right now, okay? Before I, I react, I wonder what they're feeling. Well, they probably are ready to yell at me too, okay? They probably have some things going on in, inside of them, so let me get in their shoes. I know what I'm feeling like now in my boots. Let me get in his or her boots before I react here. Let me respond. The next one, the A, stands for this. Aim to do what? Can't hear you. Aim to do what? Show Jesus. Listen closely. You can't. None of us can have Jesus in our home if you don't have Jesus in your heart. Okay? Jesus doesn't just mysteriously show up in your home. Jesus shows up in your home when he's ruling in your heart. Amen? So when Jesus is ruling in your heart, it means, okay, in this situation, what would Jesus want me to say, okay? What would Jesus want me to do? You know, a few years ago, we had those little bracelets, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Well, whether you wear a bracelet or not, it should be something inside of you that says, what would Jesus do? I need to show Jesus here. I need to make sure that I'm trying to to, to respond in a way that that is indicative of who Christ is and what he means to me. And so I'm going to bring Jesus into our house by letting him rule in my heart in this moment. The next one, the T, throttle down your emotions, throttle down, because your emotions are revving up, and so you've got to throttle them down. You've got to pull down your emotions in this moment. Some of you say, I, I, I can't do that, Pastor. Well, when my emotions start going, they just take off, and I can't control my emotions. Yes, you can. I'll prove it to you, okay? You're in your house one day, and you're having a massive argument. Everybody's yelling at each other, and they're mad at each other. All this conversation's going on, and arguments are happening, and the phone rings. Hello? right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. How did you do that? What magically just happened to you, okay? You know what you did? You throttled down your emotions, right? That's all you did. You just put a, you throttled down your emotions. And so you can do this, okay? You can do this, but you have to be willing to. It's called not reacting, but responding instead, okay? What does the H stand for? Hush your mouth. One of the best things you can do to just get out of the reaction to the response is just just don't say anything right now, okay? Because chances are what you're going to say right now is not going to be good, okay? The best thing you can do is just step back for a moment and keep your mouth shut and not get yourself into trouble, not get not cause you know I, I remind people from time to time every place you go in life is you have two buckets with you think of it that way, two buckets, a bucket of water and a bucket of gasoline okay and when things happen in your life through your words, you can throw water on it, or by your response of simply not saying anything you can you can deflate the situation, or you can throw gasoline on it and inflate the situation or ignite the situation. But everywhere you go, always think just metaphorically, I've got two buckets with me. Will I use my bucket of water or will I use my bucket of gasoline? Will I make it worse or will I make it better? Okay. Let's go to the next one. Last one here. E, do what? Extend what? Grace. So what you want to do is to make sure that the same grace that you want to experience in your life, you extend grace in that environment. So again, you've got something that happens in the relationship. It's all about you right now. What do you need to do? I need to breathe. Okay, right? I need to breathe. I got to be aware of what's going on with me. I've got to pay attention to any patterns that are happening here. I've got to walk through that process. I've got to take about 10 or 15 seconds here. And I've got to get myself because I want to consider what I'm going to do or say next before I just react to it in the wrong way. And so those are choices that you will make. Let me cover two final things we will be done today. We're just about done. Two final things I want to mention in the message. You have to develop also, if you're going to focus on yourself, you have to develop a personal growth plan. You need to be a growing person yourself. The thing that you never want to be in life is stagnant. That's why I'm so happy to see you at church today, That because you're in the house of God, you're learning, you're growing, you're getting these principles, you're making a decision to grow in your life. And always when you're growing, always seek to grow together. Don't, a lot of people say, well, we just grew apart. Well, don't grow apart, grow together, okay? Find ways to grow together. Don't let your relationship cause you to grow apart. Find things that will cause you to grow together. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, I'm going to emphasize one particular word here, but what? grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Obviously he's talking about our spiritual growth there. But what I want you to see is any kind of growth in your life is your responsibility. No one can make you grow. There's an implied pronoun in this verse. The implied pronoun is you. You grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I can't make you grow. Your husband or wife can't make you grow. No one else can make you grow. It's a choice that you will make in your life. And I will promise you this listen closely. You will be a lot happier. You'll be a lot happier person if you're a growing person because you're growing in maturity, you're growing in knowledge, you're growing in wisdom. And the final thing that I'll give you today uh, when we talk about it all being about you is to make sure that you have time for personal refreshment and renewal, that you're refreshing your own life and that you're renewing your life. And this is your responsibility to do this. No one else can do this for you. The problem with many marriages is you have two depleted people trying to build a relationship. Two people are just so worn out, they don't have any energy to give to the relationship and they're never refreshing themselves and renewing themselves. And because of that, they don't bring anything to the relationship. You can't give what you don't have, right? You can't give what you don't have. And so you need to have a pattern in your own life where you're making sure that you're getting refreshed and that you're getting renewed on a regular basis. Listen, even Jesus did this. Think about it. Even Jesus made sure that he was refreshed and renewed. I'll prove this to you through two passages that we will conclude with today. I want you to notice Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Here's the ministry of Jesus. He's beginning his teaching ministry. And the Bible says that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus did what? He got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he did what? where he prayed. He says, before I do anything today, I've got to get along with my heavenly father because I need to be strengthened. I need to be refreshed. I need to be built up so I'll have something to give to others. That's why you need your time with God because your time with God, your personal time with him, brings strength to your life and brings refreshment to you. Another example from the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says that when he came, this is of Jesus here, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went, please notice this phrase, as, what's the phrase there? As usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the Scriptures. On any Sabbath day, where would you find Jesus? Where? At the synagogue on the Sabbath, engaging with the scriptures, okay? That is, in Jesus' life, he never missed church, okay? He made that a part of his life. Why? Because not just as a formal religious thing that he did, but he realized this is something that I need. Even as the son of God, he made it a pattern of his own life that as usual, he was always in God's house for the sake of receiving the scriptures that brought strength to his life. And so if you're going to be the person God wants you to be in your relationships, you've got to make sure that you're doing what you need to do to stay refreshed and renewed and revived in your life. What do we learn today? You learn first and foremost that it's all about you. It starts with you. You can't do anything in a relationship if you're not paying attention to you. You've got to accept responsibility for your words, your thoughts, your attitude, your actions. When you mess up, you've got to ask God for his grace and forgiveness. You have to learn to apologize well. And then from that point, you also make the choice of learning how to respond instead of react. That when I'm in a situation where things are beginning to escalate, I'm going to step back and I'm going to breathe right I'm going to take 10 or 15 seconds here I'm going to walk myself through those several points I'm going to make sure that I'm where I need to be in this I'm going to also make sure that I'm a growing person I'm going to make sure that I'm spending time with God so I can stay renewed and refreshed and when this happens in your life it puts you on a better track to have better relationships would you bow your heads together with me as we pray today Father thank you so much for your word today we're so grateful for the word of God and how it speaks to us we're grateful that you've given us a word today that's in, in not only inspired us, hopefully, but instructed us in some very practical ways to live. We pray that you'd help us to take this away with us and to live it out in our lives through the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Lord, I also pray for those who are here today who've never given their life to Jesus. I pray that in this moment, they would open their heart and open their life to you. May this be the beginning day for someone here today and their journey with you. We ask it in your name. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.